The Down Below podcast was our last best hope to analyze. We failed. But in the year of the spoiler war, it became something greater. Our last best hope for answers. The year is 2015. The show, Down Below. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm Ann. I'm Heidi. I'm Elizabeth. Today we are joined by a return guest all the way from the UK. Say hello to Michael. Welcome back. Hi guys. Hey Michael. Thanks for having me again. Alright, thank you for coming back. Glad to have you. So you did uh, volunteer for this episode. Is I there did. a reason why you chose it? One of my favorites. I like the... I obviously, we're about to review the episode, but I'm a big fan of the... Um, White Star. I love that ship and this is where it first comes in and I like Marcus as well and having them both arrive. This is one of my top episodes. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I was thinking of that, you know, another sci-fi show, Deep Space Nine, they got a ship at the beginning of their third season. Yeah, very similar to when the <laughs> Defiant arrived. Yeah, but the White Star's far better a ship. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Today we are here to discuss episode one of season three, Matters of Honor, but first here's an ISN special report. We're back with our weekly ISN mailbag where I randomly select viewer feedback to read it live on the air. This is your time to be in the news. Okay, let's see. Our first letter is from April in New Cincinnati. April says, Ever since you showed the video of that creature, I haven't been able to sleep. I keep turning on the news to get more information, but I can't find it anywhere. What is it? Well, April, you can certainly rest easy. Uh, we now believe the footage to be a hoax. The reason you haven't seen any more about it is that there's simply nothing to tell. But thank you for watching. Okay, next email. Um, this is from Jatar. Wow, all the way from Narnia. How did you get this past the Centauri blockade? This must be very important. <clears throat> Dear sir or madam, this matter is of the utmost importance. They have taken all of our Bieber music. We can no longer worship... Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm so sorry, Jatar. I feel for you. I do. But we have a strict no-religion policy on the mailbag. Peace be with you. Okay, last piece of mail. Uh, this is from Nathan on Mars. Dear ISN, can you tell me why I keep seeing more and more people dressed in cloaks? Is this a new fashion thing? Huh, I'm sorry, Nathan. I'm stumped on this one. Um, it must be a Mars thing. Well, that's all for now. Keep writing in. Any writer will likely tell you getting published is much harder than the writing itself. Who do I approach? How do I query? What should I put into my query? 
all valid questions and ones not always easily answered. On Get Published, I get you those answers. Authors, agents, and publishers talk about what works and what doesn't. Get Published is available on iTunes or on GetPublishedPodcast.com. Oh, yeah, we're in season three, you guys. Hey, <laughs> we made it. Point of no return. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this episode originally aired November 6, 1995, which is actually five days after the previous episode wow. U.S. air date. Oh, wow. I find that really strange, the, the gap between the seasons. They did that before, didn't they? It's very yeah. weird. Yeah. But in the episode, it's only been like like a week or a two. A week, yeah. Yeah, the previous because it saves the usual waiting for the cliffhanger and finding the resolution to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just a few days. <laughs> that would be nice for a lot of shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could we do that, please? Yeah, like, I wonder what happened to Buffy. Well, just wait a few days. Exactly, yeah. Whereas now, shows tend to take breaks randomly in the middle as well. Or like like Sherlock that has their three episodes and then we wait five years for the next three. <laughs> yeah. That as well. This episode was directed by Kevin G. Kremen, who last directed Confessions and Lamentations, the one where the Markab died. I had to look that up because I couldn't remember <laughs> which <laughs> one that was. Kind of fitting as we got mention of the Markab in this episode as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course it was written by JMS. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> So let's get started with the recap. Season 3. So this episode begins. You see some repairs on Babylon 5 taking place after the attack last episode. Oh, that's what that was. <laughs> yeah, I was quite pleased they put that in. Good continuity I there. Yeah, I, I didn't uh, get it either, Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, that's nice. I think docking arm got cut off at the end of the last episode, and also there was the explosion in the monorail thing. Mm-hmm. You saw both. Of those yeah. Were- Sheridan runs into Kosh, and he's sad that Kosh hasn't been returning his phone calls. <laughs> that was <so laughs> funny. Kosh is like, you're running in the spider webs, leave a message and I'll call you back. Kosh <laughs> 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 oh. says that he was tired from being seen by so many at once, so he had to go back to his ship to rest. Yeah, kind of leads into what we were discussing at the end of last episode. Uh, you know, what's actually going on? Is he mentally projecting, or are people reading... Uh, you know, on to him. Yeah. It, so it seems like it's it's something to do with, you know, he's having to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't remember if it was ever actually explained what happened. I don't remember if it was, but I always assumed that he was like side projecting into everybody's mind. So when lots of people saw him, he was overtaxed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's creating um, psychic illusions for everyone. Include. So does that mean that he projected nothing into Londo's mind? Like he projected an absence of something? Yes, I think so. Okay. And it makes sense as well because Londo at that point, uh, and you know, it were, it, he's in deep with the shadows. And if you reveal yourself to Londo, the shadows will find out. Mm-hmm. But nobody knew it was Kosh, right? N- no one, uh, apart None from of the a few people in the know, you know. Oh, because he said that nobody knows. 
or somebody said in that conversation that nobody knew it was Kosh. Yeah, yeah they yeah. didn't figure it out. Apart, just... You've got well, to lend who knows. Yeah. Sheridan knows. And Delenn said that other people who were looking for something like that would know it was Kosh as well. I bet Ivanova knows because she knows everything. <laughs> yeah. She certainly um, does. I loved this conversation with Sheridan and Kosh because Sheridan is mm-hmm. questioning him and Kosh is just still being cryptic and uh, then Sheridan gets annoyed with it and then Kosh is like all snippy. <laughs> it was so yeah, funny. Well, he said a lot in his first sentence but then after that he started being cryptic again. Yeah. I think this was JMS kind of like talking back to the audience by just being deliberately cryptic, showing Koss knows she's being cryptic. Yes, yes, and he's doing it on purpose. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, and I mean, it's really interesting that Koss seems happy that Sheridan is annoyed with him being cryptic. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a nice, like, lampshade on it. So pretty much the same thing (laughs) you you have been saying. Okay, but here's another question that it, that comes up because basically Kasha said that um, I don't remember the context, but he was saying like like he was necessary, Sheridan is necessary. So to me, that means that either Kosh there's some kind of prophecy, or Kosh they've been there from the beginning, or they've always been there, both of them. <laughs> right, they've been there. That's and what he said. Yeah, that's what Kosh said, and then also something about it being necessary them both like he saved him because he was necessary or something uh-huh. like so, so I, what did Lynn say when she convinced him to go she said you know what's at stake yeah so there is some kind of either prophecy or they can see the future or it's like the whole this has happened before and it will happen again thing yeah some <laughs> yeah. circular time leap or something yeah. yeah well the war seems to happen every thousand years hmm Okay, we go to a planet, which we find out is, what did I just say? Zagra like, 7. seven. <laughs> a Drazi. See, this is a Drazi. Yes, I actually this was, was <laughs> like, that, that's a Drazi, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His name is Drozak. He's played by a guy who's played Drazi and Dawn before on the show. He was one of the green Drazi. <laughs> um, now he's just a plain old Drazi. Yeah. Now he's a dead Drazi. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's a nice little scene, you know, he you kind of get a sense that the two of them, him and Marcus, had a relationship before this, you know, they were friends or, you know, he, Drazi owed him a favour or something. Yeah, I liked his whispered eulogy at the end, kind of like, you'll be remembered, Drozak, or if that was his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So he gets the guy through the barrier and Droz- Drozak dies. The guy who's getting through, we find out later, his name Marcus. Um, I named him Aragorn. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, does he his hair out to like the flowing hair after he becomes a ranger, or yeah. how does that work? Uh huh. I don't know, but yeah, he's Aragorn to me. Duna <laughs> dying from the north. Um, he's played by Jason Carter. He was in an episode of Charmed, and he was. Also in an episode of Angel called Double or Nothing, he played oh, a repo you, demon. I didn't know that. No, I didn't recognize no. him at all. Who did he he play? must have been under a load of makeup. 
played Repo Demon. Oh, yeah, he probably was. <laughs> yeah, latex would have been involved. Yeah, he was. Like, he looks a lot different now than he did back then. Yeah, so he says prayer and gives us through the jump gates and heads to B five. Yeah, of course. <laughs> was there anywhere yeah, else he was I going? I know where else would he go? <laughs> what do you make of Marcus then? I like him. Yeah, he's okay. Yeah, I like him. I don't have a lot of opinion on him right now, but right. Um, clearly, he cares about his facial hair, though. It's like always the same length. <laughs> I felt like he and I felt like he and Ivanovo were flirting a little bit later, which sort of confused me in a way. He <laughs> <laughs> was looking at her. And then we see the new opening credits, which. Yeah, you don't really see a lot of season three images in it because they had to do it pretty early. Um, in the process, yeah, I know but... you haven't actually seen it yet, though, have you? You've only listened oh. to it. No, I only listened oh, to okay. it. Oh, okay. I had a couple of comments on them, but I won't mention them. Yeah, well, we, can, we can discuss the images next week, I think, because okay. all, this, all the stuff that was in there really came from the first episode. Oh, okay. Um, and, yeah... Uh, it's really the music that's the major difference. Yeah, you hear the music from the the, the scene where the uh, Narn fleet gets destroyed that I said we'd be hearing again. Oh, mm. Yeah. And the year is 2260. Yeah, it's a very different tone, very different feel, and Ivanova's doing the narration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's two new people in the credits. Not that it really means anything that we learned from Talia and Natoth that being in the credits doesn't really mean much, but we'll see. <laughs> oh. There's one thing in there. We'll talk about it next week, but there's one thing in there that people noticed and they're a lot and Jameis like, Oh, you noticed that, didn't you? Is it the very first image of the thing I noticed that which I hadn't noticed before when you come to watch it next week? Pay close attention to the the very first thing that happens as the credits start to roll. Okay. I think it's quite telling. Oh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, but still, I, I know last year you didn't like um, the opening music at the beginning of last year. What do you make of this one? I like it. Well, last year I, I liked the first, like I was comparing it to the first season, which I like that music better. But this one is nice. It has a nice foreboding, like, low tone, and, like, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, the whole peace thing kind of failed. We didn't, we didn't do so good on that. <laughs> the what? Yeah. I liked it on the whole voice peace over. thing we were doing. Oh, we, yeah. just, we kind of failed on yeah, that. Yeah, that was nice. <laughs> yeah. And it's nice coming from Ivanova, because that's exactly how she would say it. She'd be like, yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> After the credits in hyperspace, Marcus diverts power from life support to engines. On Babylon 5, Sheridan's tired of unannounced visitors always stopping by. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. Somebody from... Again, this is JMS calling out to the fans, yes, we've noticed the pattern. We've noticed that Kosh is cryptic. We've noticed that people just show up for no reason without calling first. <laughs> yeah, and it's just—it's lovely that it's not just the fact that the characters are annoyed by it, but you know, <laughs> usually Ivanova is the pessimistic one in the situation, and here kind of Sheridan outdoes her. <laughs> He's getting a little jaded, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> 
so he and Ivanova greet David and Dowie, who is Earth Force Earth Force Special Intelligence Division. I liked how you could see him in the background coming through the security while he and Ivanova are talking, and then mm-hmm. he comes up and starts talking to him. Oh, David Dowie, he he's actually just being used. You know, we find that out at the end, but yeah, yeah. you watch it again, and you know. He's actually really earnest in trying to find out what he can, and he thinks he's doing what's best for Earth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually didn't have a problem with him like I normally do with anyone that comes from Earth. Yeah. Right. No, I liked him. I thought the actor did a really good job with what he was given there. Mm-hmm. Oh, especially later on when he's doing a scene with Lando, and when Lando says a dream. And though he actually mimics the way he says it and says, a dream? Mm. <laughs> 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 yeah. So they're going to go off and have a private chat. And Dowie's played by Tucker Smallwood. This thing is now reminds me of a George Carlin thing he did about names. <laughs> and Tucker was one of them. It's like a guy's name, Todd. Okay, anyway, <laughs> look it up on YouTube. It's funny. <laughs> um,. He was in a, um, this same actor was in the X-Files episode Home. He played Sheriff Andy Taylor. If you remember that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Garibaldi brings Marcus into Med Bay, which is brand new, brand spanking new. It's tidy. You've only <laughs> seen a part yeah. of it. Though, okay, I was fair. hoping because, man, <laughs> he's like, oh, this is great. I'm like, no, it's like a hallway. <laughs> yeah, where was the ISO lab? Yeah, that was cool. I think JMS said that they were thinking about redoing CNC, but they just didn't get a chance to mm. at this point. Oh my god, that reminded me, no Clarence in this episode. Where's Clarence? Uh, we really, do we ever go to CNC this episode? I don't think I so. I don't think so, no. So Franklin uh, examines Marcus, and then he goes to call another doctor, Dr. Sanchez, to take a look at him, and when he turns around, Marcus gone. He's gone. <laughs> yeah, you knew he was going to be gone when he said, well, for no reason, I don't think he's going anywhere. You're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why would you say that? Foreshadowing much? Yeah. So I uh, I live tweeted this episode because I I don't know why I got the sudden inspiration to do that. But um, at this point, I had to say that Franklin was touching patients again. <laughs> <laughs> he was while he was asleep as well. Yes. <laughs> Boundaries. <laughs> touching his um his jewel thing. And his long locks. <laughs> I'd want to go to Med Bay too, I think. <laughs> After this we see Morden meet Londo in the Zocalo. How is he just walking around the ship? They know him now. Oh yeah. yeah I well, they have to that. <laughs> Yeah, they have to. Do you remember they let him go? They have to just act like everything's kind of normal. And they can leave yeah, they don't want now. to. Yeah, they don't want to tip their hand either. Because um, if they, you know, stop him wandering around, then the shadows will kind of move quicker than everyone wants them to. Has he not seen the ISN report? Okay, the word is out. <laughs> yeah, the secret is. Uh, it's out, exactly. I'm pretending. <laughs> but that's why Adawi was there, to see what they knew, if they made anything of it, so... Yeah. yeah. Since the war is over, Lundo wants to break things off. He doesn't think the Centauri need Morden's associates anymore, and 
Mona tries a little bit to convince him otherwise, but Londo's in- insistent. He says, okay, but gotta do a little book clipping, bookkeeping to close it, everything down, I've, but they'll meet later. I find discuss. it interesting. He actually starts walking away, and you hear a sound that we've heard yeah. before. Scratching, don't you? Yeah, as if yeah. the shadows are saying, uh, don't leave yet. Sort this out. <laughs> Remember that planet. Yeah. But wait, hold on, wait. Can I go back really quick? Yeah, sure. definitely. I mean, so, it needs to be discussed. The shadow, the shadows know that the what the Vorlons are, right? Yep. So why would they not just assume that if their image was out on ISN, that they were known? I mean, surely the Vorlon would have heard or seen about it. They don't know. They don't know that the Vorlons are the old ones, though, right? I thought they did. Yeah, uh, they the... do because they brought down the eons. They're they're enemies, but the shadows don't know whether the Vorlons themselves either know they've actually come out of hiding yet. But now they would would do both, you know, even from the ISM. But they don't know what the Vorlons have told the other races. They may just think that the Vorlons are keeping it a secret. Hmm. I don't know. I'm skeptical. Okay. Let's get Yeah, but they, we've also got here Lando trying to distance himself from Mr. Morden. Yeah. Nice try. Yeah, nice. seriously. Point of no return season. Yeah. But he's he's trying to do it, you know. He's trying to do the right thing at last. Yeah, he was being nicely. Is he though? Is he trying he's to do not. the right thing? Because he's no. like, basically, we got this. We can he, handle the conquering of these territories on our own. Thank you. Well, and Is, he's he's just trying to get out of any repercussions that are going to come from having associations with them. I mean. Yeah, like not... he's he's just trying to save his own butt. Okay, to be scared of them. He... Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. When Morden first turns away, there's a look on Londo's face as he kind of looks down at his drink, and you can just see there's just relief that Morden's agreed to disappear. Yeah, I mean it's not out of the goodness of his little sectary heart. And no, <laughs> no. I notice how uh, Morden said, "We'll go away for as long as you want." Like he's yeah, been anticipating. As you want. Oh yeah. Yeah, mm. Orlando might want him back. And well, the stuff that happens later on, if I Morden might not be going away. <laughs> Moving on. <clears throat> yeah. So, and Dowie explains that he's there on a matter of urgency. They're talking to Delin right now, but he's going to speak to all the ambassadors. He shows her footage from Kefir Star Fury, which they yanked off the air as soon as they found out about it. Um. Ibanaba and Sheridan explain how Kefir was trying to go uh, find that shadow ship. Delenn stretches the truth a little bit, says she's never seen a ship like that before, but then Sheridan and Ibanaba are saying that nothing's like that has entered B5 space recently. After Ndawi leaves, Sheridan confirms with Delenn that it was a shadow ship. I guess they've never talked about this in the past week since Kefir left. Right. Maybe, hmm. maybe they never saw the ISN before. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, she said that she really has never seen one. She's just heard descriptions and 
once one of their ships target you, they don't give up until they destroy you and they're nearly invincible. Sheridan doesn't believe this, and then Delenn says a lot more ominous stuff. Um, yeah, she's properly scared at this point. Oh, yeah, she really scared. is. Not just here, later on as well, you really yeah. see how scared she is of these shadow ships. Like before, they were just legends, I guess, but now... Yeah, the reality city home. Because I mean, Bari, they might be kind of like the bogeymen from from history that they've been told about this great war, this hideous enemy, whereas to Sheridan, he'd just been told about them a few months back and he doesn't really know what they can do. Oh, yeah. And also, it's been a thousand years for the Membari. The technology they had a thousand years ago could be a lot more primitive than the stuff they have now. So, yes, it, you know, these really are bogeymen from the history. And really, if you take any force and you put them in a ship that looks like a spider, ten times scarier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Imagine the Borg in a spider ship. That'd be, like, terrifying. Creepy. So, Lanier stops Dylan in the hallway and tells her that someone's looking for it. He sent the little thing that we saw earlier. And Dali questions Londo. There's a nice piece from Londo about how the pursuit of joy is another duty for the Centauri. Uh, and Dali shows Londo the ship. Londo says he saw it in a dream, and the dream that we saw in The Coming of Shadows, I think. Yeah, you were wondering whether this dream would come back, weren't you? Mm-hmm. So he explains the dream, and then he sends Dali away. And Dali seemed to accept that. <laughs> Except maybe he knows uh, about the Centauri dreams and everything. Mm. I don't know. But we also get a confirmation he saw the shadow ships. Well, he doesn't know they're shadow ships. He saw these ships on Centauri Prime. We didn't right. know that last time. Right. We just didn't know where he was. Yeah. And he goes on to explain there were far more ships than what we saw. And it's a terrifying description. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Black sun. Again, Next. sorry, uh, I mean, again, Lando's afraid. I mean, you've got three of the main ambassadors, each in their own way, conveying the fear they have of of these ships. Mm-hmm. And it's brilliant in hammering home the danger they, they are, you know, the weight of the danger here, the the menace of the shadow war that's to come. Yeah, well, and and Londo, I feel like actually seeing the image like that Ndawi is showing him and sort of connecting that to his dream kind of made him go, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, if that... If I don't. Yeah. yeah. But also, if that bit of the dream is true, then... What else is true that I uh-huh. I bet that whole thing comes to pass, but um, mm-hmm. but I hadn't realized, like I just hadn't thought about the fact that Londo hadn't seen the spiders. Like all of these people, we've seen them, but no, nobody else had. Like Delenn hadn't seen the, you know, she was kind of seeing it for the first time, and it, it's just like I didn't really think about that until yeah. they pointed it out. Yeah. Mm. When, it, um... <laughs> sorry. Okay. When 
when that one episode where they had detained Warden, were they just hearing the voices of the shadows in the room with him? Was that what it was? I can't remember. Or did they see something? Yeah. Well, they saw something. Yeah, Sheridan heard something first, then managed to catch a glimpse of some of the shadows, but that's all he's seen. A fleeting glimpse. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and that projected uh, vision from Kosh. So next, Incognito, Delin, and Lanier go to see go to some kind of shady bar to meet and up Tina with Marcus. Bar. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of is. It's like... I wonder who could be traveling with Lanier. Okay, one guess. <laughs> like, I know maybe he has other friends on the station he like hangs out with. Well, he's got to have his biker gang, remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe him and Via are going to meet down there. Yeah, uh, maybe. He must be Delenn's taster. Yeah. He likes taster. <laughs> So Lanier gives Marcus his... Did they say what that thing is called? They didn't give it a name, but it's yeah. a badge, and he gives a description of how it's made. Yeah, from holy water, Minbari blood, human blood. So, I'm confused by this. Is that... Is it, aren't the rangers somewhat new, or somewhat like a new type of thing? Or are, are they? is he saying this is kind of an ancient badge or something? Um... We don't have enough information yet. Okay, um, because the way he was describing it made it sound like this ancient, like they say that they do this and this. And I'm thinking, I thought these guys were only around for a couple of years. Because it's Mimbari and Earth, right? So mm, they won't yeah. be known about each other. For- but still, it's always good to create myths and legends around something, even if it's a few years old. Tradition is a powerful motivator. He tells Delenn that he needs her help and they want to go somewhere private to discuss it. Not sure why they didn't just go there in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) Then they couldn't have met the stupid thugs. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) He couldn't have seen all three of them kick ass. Yeah, so these thugs follow them and one of them doesn't like that they're doing business down in his area. So a fight breaks out and even Delenn kicks some butt when they're with that Minbari fighting pike. But something was cut out there because magically the pike goes from Marcus's hands to uh, Delenn's. No, no, you can see her grab it from behind him. Oh, I must have missed that bit. Mm-hmm. I, I think I saw the second time. He's like swinging it and then she grabs it. She's behind him and she grabbed it. Maybe I'm making it up, but I thought I saw that. Okay. He says he got it from a friend and they leave. Yeah, but when they're actually leaving, he's trying to put it away, and maybe they didn't have time for another take, but his robe's getting in the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you mean those aren't practical? <laughs> <laughs> so, after this, Marcus bid introduced to everyone except Ivanova at this point. She arrives, but she's figured out everything that's going on with the Rangers and Garibaldi and Delenn and whatnot. Yeah, we talked about this early, but it really is a nice moment. And yeah, you don't need to explain any of this to Ivanova. She knows. Yeah, yeah. looks proud of herself. I love that. She know, though. Yeah, she I don't just know. Does. I think she must bug most of the station. <laughs> she Probably. has Clarence do all her spying for her. That's right. Clarence knows everything too. <laughs> 
So Marcus explains that he came from Zagros 7, which is a Drazi outpost with a ranger training camp. Since not all of the Minbari are comfortable with the rangers, they created outposts with the aid of other governments. And two weeks ago, Zagros 7 was surrounded by Centauri blockade mines. Yeah, you wanted to know more about um, the rangers and if they've got other training places out, you know, you're finding stuff out in the very first episode. Yeah. Uh, the Drazi can't protect it, so they need Sheridan and all of them help take out the blockade. I kept, for some reason I have blockage every time I'm supposed to have blockade. <laughs> oh, um, so wait, let me ask this question. Why are the the shadows try targeting the rangers unless they know that they know? Well, it's it's a military force that's building up. Um, but how do they? But they have to assume that they're to be going against the shadows. Otherwise, why go to the the trouble of trying to take that little colony out? I think possibly because um, the rangers have been working against the shadows, spying on them. The shadows may not know who the rangers are working for or with, but they know they're about in the galaxy. So they may have just decided to target them because of that. Yeah, I suppose if you've got more Mordens running about, um, Rangers bound to bump into them. Yeah. Sketchy, I know. <laughs> <laughs> they have some pretty good intelligence, the Shadows. Uh, Garibaldi says they don't have the resources to do that, but Marcus says I have the means and nothing will be able to be linked back to them. Mm. Susan's worried about Indawi being on the station still, but that's not going to stop Sheridan. He wants to take the offensive for a change. Still, at this point, how were you um, figuring they were going to actually get this done? Because we don't get the reveal of the White Star until a little bit later. I yeah, until like 30 theory. seconds later. Right, I, I had the no next idea. Scene, but yeah. I couldn't even, I didn't even speculate. Okay. <laughs> You just enjoyed the journey. Now, now they're leaving on the shuttle, and we see Mendelin's Minbari shuttle behind them. They've sent fake coordinates. They put those in the station records. Um, Morden is meeting with Londo, and they pretty much divide up the galaxy. You stay over here. You stay over there. But you know what? They need to make a more like like certain line. I was very confused by the Squidly. <laughs> I know. I was well, like, what is that? Well, yeah, if you watch it, quite again, a large scale. Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting though. There's a slither of white in the middle. Now, who could that be for? Given what? Of white. Yes, there's a portion of the galaxy they don't divide up between them. They allow the Vorlons to have their space, or what? Oh, there is something else that happens in this episode. Right at the end, we discover something. Someone else Morden is working with. Oh, well, Earth. Oh, Earth gets something. So you're saying that um, our solar system? Well, it's just I noticed there's this slither of white in the middle, and if a faction of the Earth government <laughs> is working with Morden, perhaps Morden's got other deals going on. You know, he's granting wishes to other people. I mean, I, I, I don't know how you can tell what was not included on that because yeah. there was like a line drawn on one side of the thing and then a line drawn on the other. I'm so. surprised that there weren't white squigglies everywhere because he's got to have deals with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice the white squiggly, but... 
I noticed that he gave the Centauri like basically like like the little smattering of like the outer rim or whatever it was, you know. Yeah, yeah they seemed to get one arm of the galaxy, and the shadows took the center and the two other arms. Mm-hmm. Which is still quite a bit of space. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but there's this one little world that Morden's associates have an interest in, and he's um, already asked Rifa to secure it for yeah, them. Yeah, this world doesn't matter. Of course. Oh, it's nothing. It's just this little world we want right on the edge of your territory. Sorry, it doesn't matter. Stuck on the fact that he was like, okay, yeah, there's this world on the edge of like of of our line dividing line. What dividing line? I'm so confused. And why didn't you just draw the line inwards so that it included that It was that a world. detailed map and so it's a line. <laughs> Don't laser pointer a huge screen of a galaxy. You know, like and this little tiny one that was on this perfectly intricate line. No. We so want good. this one. Oh my goodness. But the fact that he's now in contact with Rifa, oh my goodness, that's bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's on him well. That's bad. It's going to end bad for Rifa, that's for sure. <laughs> Mondo using the shadows at least had a tiny amount of conscience. Exactly. Rifa has none. None. Yeah. Solando wants to know if he can see one of Morden's associates' ships, and Morden says maybe, but you should get your people away from Zagro 7 before my associates get there. You don't want to be there when <laughs> they arrive. <laughs> yeah, making it even more... Ominous for um, Londo there. So, do we know why they want that planet? Because of the Rangers. Okay. I wasn't sure if there was something else or if it was just that, but okay. That was all I took from it, but I mean, maybe Ian and Will and Michael. No, I can't think of anything else. <laughs> okay. Ivanova wants to know what's waiting for them on the other side of the jump gate, and Marcus gives a very Borlon like answer <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> Oh, yeah. They come out and see a ship, the White Star. And it's really cool. It's really cool. Oh, I'm so glad you... (laughs) Yeah, so glad you got that impression. Yes. The DS9 got the Defiant a year earlier, but JMS said that the White Star was always in the plans because you got to... You got to have a way to get your people off the station. Yeah. And it is such a cool ship, it really is. And well, I and think... they have to have a way to fight. Like, that ship can move around where Babylon mm. 5, it's like, okay, we're stuck it's in this one space. There, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it gives them some reach. Oh, I mean, mm. the, I, I'm, I could just imagine how... Sorry, I could just imagine what new CGI I could do with this ship. It just would look ten times better, but it's still awesome. Yeah, that one looks cool. And Dawi doesn't like that. Ivanova and Sheridan are gone. Garibaldi tells them that they're off on urgent business. Garibaldi suggests that he speak with Jakar unofficially because Dawi can't do it officially. Yeah, he also gives a little um, bit of a uh, born-unlike response. <laughs> yeah, it's a brilliant exchange. Yeah, this was really good. I I liked, maybe this is part of why I didn't mind Endowee, because he was willing to sort of break the rules in order to uh, do what he was sent there to do, and Garibaldi yeah. helped him do it. I liked that. And the very last episode, you saw someone from Earth really running away from <laughs> Jakar rather than talking to him. Yeah. Right. So... 
Yeah, Delin explains that the White Star is a new breed of Minbari warship. It combines Vorlon and Minbari technology, smaller and faster than their other ships, and can create its own jump point. I think and, it's kind of significant they're using Vorlon technology. <laughs> yeah, Vorlons are sharing here. Which yeah. I'm assuming that the crystals controls are the Minbari. And like, <laughs> uh, organic looking stuff is the Vorlon. Yeah. It's different enough that it won't be recognized, says Susan. And, mm. um, but also, Delin, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, Delin says that they have Sheridan notices that they have artificial gravity. Dylan says they've had it for a while. And then she says they crewed the ship with religious caste rather than warrior caste. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of them helped design it, and even some of the Grey Council knows about the White Star. And it doesn't know stuff. about the White Star, rather. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. yeah. Um, but some yeah. of them do, is the, is the takeaway from that. Mm, yeah. It's... It, it's really interesting that Delenn and the Rangers are being covert even from their own government. Yeah. And there's going to be their translator and well, they head off okay. to Seven. Okay, problem with this. Because the Mimbari in the Grey Council are clearly speaking English, and yet English is not their first language. Yeah, maybe they're it's speaking... It's not convenient, really, I think. <laughs> It's like on Vikings, it's like they're we're hearing them speak English, but they're actually talking to each other in their own language. They only have, it only sounds like they're speaking their own language when they need to distinguish between, when they're talking to like the people from England. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that yeah, makes sense. There was a movie that did that really yeah. well. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what movie it was, but like they started off, or movie or something, they started off speaking in whatever language it was, and then it panned into the mouth, and then it panned out and they were speaking English. It was like, Okay, we know yeah. they're actually speaking this, and then, but, uh-huh. but for the purposes of not having subtitles. Yeah. And it interesting that Ivanova took over the weapons controls. I wasn't sure whether possibly the religious cast had yeah. something about using weapons. Hmm, interesting. But also, um, she doesn't just take over the controls. When um, Delaney's telling uh, Sheridan about some of the ship's features, um, Marcus is showing Delenn how to work those controls as well. It's a nice little interaction there, and so it's not a Membari religious cast showing Delenn how to work the weapons. It's Marcus, a ranger. Yeah, yeah he's obviously been on the ship or something like it before. And Dali shows the ship to Jakar. Jakar seems relieved, finally. He yeah. tells him about how, yeah, probably someone... Yeah, he's been waiting a year for someone to talk to him about this. He tells him about how the shadows came to his world over a thousand years ago and set up a base there. Jaquan thinks that they were engaged in a war far away. Jakar has tried to warn everybody, but nobody listened. Dali wonders why they went away for a thousand years, and Jakar thinks this might be their time now. That's why they come back now. Yeah. So this is a little bit extra information we didn't have last time. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. want them to let Jakar in on their little group of resistance because, yeah, like, he knows all this stuff, and yeah, he thinks no one's listening, and they really like they have, mm-hmm. but 
and they know stuff and yeah i just i feel like since he's on the outs that he needs to be included yeah so is jaquan is, is like a prophet right or like he's the the one that wrote yeah I mean, yeah the one of their religious part. leaders um mm-hmm. from a thousand years ago and yep so yeah. he probably knew the Vorlons and knew at least what they portrayed themselves to be as their gods or whatever, whether he knew they were Vorlons or not. So well, yeah, Jaquan seems to have written about um, their ancient enemy as if they were a very powerful being, but not as if they were... Um, demons or anything like that but that they were a creature from mm-hmm. beyond the stars so even though at that point nuns were you know bound to the planet and weren't that advanced it sounds like they were advanced enough to realize there's life out there amongst the stars mm-hmm. and they also the fact that they've been around long enough that they have this um they have this record. Like, the other races have probably been around that long, too, but don't necessarily have anything written or, you know, like, any sort of way to remember that this happened in the past, this big yes, war I that think happened the, before. Yeah, I think the significant fact that the Shadows had a base on their home planet has something to do with that, you know. <laughs> so, in the White Star, Susan chats up Marcus... <laughs> His brother. <laughs> oh, just before this starts, so she's fiddling with the controls, and the Membari comes over, looking, up, looking a bit peeved for a religious cast, and calmly corrects whatever she had done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice little moment. Yeah, Marcus's brother joined the Rangers six months before him, and Marcus thought it was foolish. And his brother came back to warn him about a shadow attack on the colony he was working on. Marcus got back to see him, got back in time to see him die, and his brother asked him to finish what he started. Marcus did, because he keeps his promises. Yeah, this conversation almost reminds me of the conversation Ivanova had with uh, Talia at the beginning of season one. You get a really good sense of the character's motivation and history, and it's a lovely little intimate conversation. So they arrive at Zagro 7 and the rangers there are ready to leave. Vanavos has learned the weapons and fires on the blockade. Sheridan doesn't like that there are any Centauri warships there. We see a cool little view screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably looked a little better in the 90s, but still. Still, you know, I remember technology and B, you know. You didn't have these sorts of energy screens um, in other sci-fi, but we've seen them since in, you know, things like Minority Report and stuff, you know. <laughs> it, it's it's kind of nice that, you know, we... Oh, sorry, I've completely lost the train of thought there. <laughs> <laughs> so then suddenly a shadow ship appears and we get this weird shot of everybody looking worried <laughs> yeah this is where Delenn really shows how scared she is she's utterly petrified yeah, of it scared sh- listen <laughs> run away run away <laughs> Sheridan wants to 
finish what they started. They're not going to run. So, well, they're not going to leave the Rangers. So they take evasive action when the shadows attack. And shadow missed on purpose, though. Like, they're not ready to kill them yet. This is a yeah, white star. Yeah, it's warning shot and kind of, as, as Sarah did say, they it's don't know what they are. It's a good thing they're not ready are. to kill them. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be dead. Oh. oh, yes. But also, this little fight sequence here, it, it, it's making full use of three-dimensional space. It's not a ships looking at one another and firing. The way the yeah. white star maneuvers here is brilliant. It seems to remove us. Similarly to the Star Furies, it can kind of like turn in the three dimensions and kind of like alter its momentum in different directions yes, and but such. It's more graceful as it when yeah, it does it. Yeah, very much. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I love the ship. You know, it moves so gracefully, but really tactically as well. <laughs> they clear the last mine so the Rangers can get out. Then they head for the jump gate because they don't want to give away that they can create their own jump point. And Delenn is pissing her pants at the right here. <laughs> she, um, and Sheridan comes up with a plan to open a jump point inside a jump gate. A completely crazy plan. How would that even enter his brain? <laughs> I don't know, you know, he's meant to be the master tactician. Yeah, he really shows here why he was brought along, because you could initially think. Surely Delenn could just take the ship out and fire on some mines, but brought Sheridan along because he's a proper battleship commander. Mm-hmm. He beat the Black Star, didn't he? Yeah. He decides to go to the jump gate in the Markab system to stop grave robbers from you know, pilfering from their home world. So they open the jump gate and then open a jump point and ends up destroying the gate and the shadow ship. Yeah, just using uh, the, the mark up again and saying we haven't forgotten about them this is a you know their death is a significant thing and it means something now mm-hmm. that was nice so all they have to do to destroy shadow ships is to do something completely crazy yeah and I don't think this is a tactic that they should uh, try to repeat <laughs> Yeah, and also they have to be a ship that the shadows don't want to kill. Right. So, <clears throat> and they got lucky, and then they got lucky. Oh, they got really lucky. In the scene, Dylan says something that's like a pet peeve of mine, which is when somebody says something like, all in good time, name, all in good time. I hate that so much. <laughs> I hate when people say phrase, name, phrase. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody arrives back on B5 and, and Dolly wants an explanation. They say that they've been towing a Minbari shuttle and they kept it secret to avoid embarrassing the Minbari government. And that satisfies them, so he takes off. And you'll notice Delen, Delen lies here to protect Varnava Sheridan and you know, the whole entire future of the galaxy, but it's another reminder that Membari do occasionally lie. And they're lying a Those Membari are <laughs> lying a lot lately. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is this? Animal Crossing. Did anybody Sorry. else notice that the Lynn was like super worried about Lanier every time he fell down in this episode? Like, it was, I like, did. Like, like, yeah. She was his mom or something. She was just like, <laughs> oh, Lanier. 
dear, oh dear. Are you okay? <laughs> he's like completely like there. He's awake. He's just sitting down. Yeah. I mean, just when in the aftermath, he's just dazed, but also looks like an excited little kid that's just been on <laughs> his first roller coaster. Yeah. yeah, I've been hit by that really rubbish electricity that went around the consoles on the ship. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that was awful. <laughs> Didn't look good. Well, this since we've been talking, I've gotten I was trying to think, gotten scenes mixed up with stuff that's happened on Deadwood and stuff that happened on Terminator. Oh, there's the electricity in Terminator. I was like, what electricity is talking about? <laughs> <laughs> No, there was a bit of bad CGI around the consoles. Um, yeah, so next we finally go to Earth. Yay! Season 3. We're at Earth Dome in Geneva, Switzerland. Yeah, the center of Earth government is in Switzerland. It's not in San Francisco? No. <laughs> no uh, it's just... It's, it's another small little world building that I love that, no, the centre of Earth government isn't in America but this is an American show but we're not going to do that we're going to show that well, Geneva's already got that political infrastructure for you know, world um, government you've got the UN um, centres there, you've got European Union centres there so you might as well make use of the buildings that are there Mm-hmm. Well, and I like that uh, that it's Switzerland because it's like, you know, we always talk about how Switzerland is the is not going to take sides and that kind of thing. So yeah. I imagine, like in this battle or whatever happened to uh, to like San Diego and that kind of stuff, that uh, Switzerland just kind of stayed out of everything, and then they that's where everything sort of uh, went to for. Or the to be like the capital or whatever it happens to be. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was pretty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's another advantage. Yeah, Switzerland is pretty. So Indawi is giving his report to a lady. She says, well, yeah, they don't really know. He says they don't really know much about what's going on. And- Did you say she was a senator or something? Yeah. Yeah, she's a hmm. senator. She had a really sneering look to her, I thought. You just tell she wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's almost a neon sign flashing above her head. <laughs> she, says, she says they'll leave it to the expert to figure things out. And then two people walk in. Like literally it's half two. a second later. I know. <laughs> they, were, they, had, they, had, they were running out of time in the episode. They <laughs> have a long wait. But one of them is Mr. Morden and the other is a psychop. What's going on here, guys? Wait. <laughs> yeah, uh, so Mr. Morton's associate's going to be happy that nobody really knows much. And oh. the psychop says something about using the threat to planetary security to speed up the plan. The program at home. Program. Yeah. Um, oh, this is. Oh. It's a nice it's, little it works. All <laughs> dreams are coming true. He's <laughs> it, it, just. It's a scene now when you first watch it, you're not exactly expecting. You've got suspicions, but when Morden shows up, it's. Oh, oh my, you know. You kind of sit up and go, What? What? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 
pay attention. I think that is the purpose of this scene. It's everyone who's just along for the ride, pay attention. Things are more complicated was, than you realise. It was quite interesting to see the difference of his relationship with Londo and the Centauri compared to his relationship with the Senator and the Psychop. They seem to be like a lot more buddy, a lot more conspiratorial together, whereas he's kind of like just working for Londo in certain times. Yeah. Yeah. Almost as if he's more comfortable around humans. Hmm. Yeah. I also found it interesting, like, why, what he was having them do. Like, you know, trying to figure out what different people, different races know about the spiders. And, um, and it's interesting to me that he would assume that Earth could get the truth. Like, he sort of seems to be taking it at what Endowee found out is what everyone knows. Right, like, right. You know. Mm. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, I guess they don't know about us. You know. And then this whole thing of, you know, making this unknown alien encounter work for whatever they've got in mind their plan the process whatever it is program here at home yes yeah um so do elizabeth do you think that he he asked uh someone in the earth government what do you want oh yeah yeah (laughs) and i just uh i have the feeling that earth is just being really really naive you know of course humans (laughs) Yeah, they just don't taking know the anything easy about route. all this old history and stuff. I mean, I, <clears throat> I'm doubting that Lord has filled them in on all the past, but... <laughs> yeah. What, he's not going to give um, someone a vision like Kosh did? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were taking a nap. My associates taking a nap until um, y'all got here. Um, so after this and the last scene, Sheridan's having a meeting with all the important folks. He's going to form a war council to meet every two weeks unless something urgent comes up, and they're going to just share information with each other. Isn't that yeah. nice where people sharing information instead of keeping it secret? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and Franklin's like, uh, why am I here? <laughs> What's, What's going on? Like, can somebody <laughs> yeah, explain like, what these yeah. shadow things are? Yeah. <laughs> oh, somebody but, please uh, fill in Franklin. About <laughs> <laughs> well, the same time, it's... I never really took in the significance of this scene until I've seen more <laughs> drama over the years, and especially, um, you know, stuff, you know, melodramas from CW and the like. And yes, keeping secrets is generally a bad thing. People yeah, don't do that on every show. <laughs> yes, I mean, Aaron and the Flash at the moment are actually starting to realise that and telling people what's going on but here it is in B5 Sheridan says secrets can kill you yeah so Dylan goes into her shadow speech that she probably has memorized (laughs) she's practiced it just like Sheridan practices his I've Hmm. I've actually been thinking you know um, she's religious caste and this is almost a sermon in a way and Perhaps when the truth was revealed to her, it's kind of, you know, the truth was drummed into her so much and this is a way we reveal the truth. You know, you've got to give it such weight, you know, 
and the, this is a speech she was actually given herself, and it's, you know, as I said, almost a religious sermon. And I hope it was kind of a little bit of a send-up on her speech-giving habits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did make us watch the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like faded to black. Like, oh, good. Okay. Yeah, you don't... <laughs> the audience doesn't need to see this again. But Franklin and, to an extent, Ivanova needs to hear the full speech. Because Ivanova knows what's going on, but she just hasn't got the full context yet. Right. And as you realize that Franklin doesn't know anything about all this. <laughs> yeah, he literally nothing. He's completely yeah. in the dark. It's just, I can just picture him sitting through that whole meeting like, what the hell are I you know. talking about? I, <laughs> what what shadows? What rangers? What, what, what's all this? <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, so that was the end. It said that Cranston, I don't trust, I don't... Nope, IMDb is right. Say that Cranston was in this episode. The guy who was hunting for the president's doctor who was hiding on the station. Oh, really? I don't hmm. know if he was maybe um, flashed on the screen, but I don't I, think that's I, right. I never saw it. No. Yeah. Sometimes IMDb makes mistakes like that, though. <laughs> yeah, I think people editing or whatever. Maybe yeah. he was originally in it, but they cut his seat or something. Yeah. So he ended up being in the technical credits or whatever. Well, I noticed in the credits that there was someone credited as large man. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> I, I think that might the be the best guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, probably. I just thought it was um, <laughs> just a funny way of crediting. Yeah, he's a stunt guy. He's in a lot of stuff. You know, our favorite alien, Bill Blair, made an appearance somewhere. <laughs> I bet, I wonder if there's somebody who like <laughs> finds all of his appearances and Maybe highlights them. Maybe he was one of the Membari. Probably a YouTube uh, video somewhere with them all linked link together. <laughs> Did Delenn change clothes a lot in this episode? I didn't notice. <laughs> well, a little bit. At, at the beginning, she's wearing more formal clothes when she's meeting Mr. Endari, and then most of the rest of the episode, she's wearing this um, underrobe thing all the time. It's really yeah, nice. It's a really nice uh, bit of clothing, and it really suits her far more than the overroad with the large shoulders, I think. Okay, I mean, just overall, she changes clothes a bit. It says her costumes tend to be emblematic of where she is and who she is. Yeah, yeah. There would be some year three additions to underscore some. Mm. Well, I think this, this green um, robe thing... It's a really nice addition. It, it's it's stripping away the formality again, and I just think her makeup again is much better this season. You know the yeah her own crest change. Oh uh, yes, definitely, and and her her hair in general looks better as well. The way they they're mounting it around her hair. Where are you guys the one talking about fashion? <laughs> oh, it's just it's. You watch the series a few times, it's really noticeable. And yeah, no, I, I like it. <laughs> I, I think it's important for a character. <laughs> like no, no, like uh, for Londo, yeah. it's important when his, his jacket changes. It, you his know, jacket get, is like dark, dark purple now, not really black. Yeah. 
I think his hair him. had some gray in it. Has it been yeah, gray before? Yeah, it's a, I think it's a bit more gray, and it's fuller, though. Um, again, again, the hair crest is better made this season. All right. Do we have quotes? Actually, think I, yeah, I went back and I made like yeah, little notes. Of, oh, you want to start out, Michael? Okay, I'll t- try and do my best uh, Centauri impression. I do believe you have got it surrounded, Mr. Morden. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Um, I have an exchange between Sheridan and Ivanova. Sheridan says, are you trying to cheer me up, Ivanova? No, sir. I hate being cheered up. It's depressing. So in that case, we're all going to die horrible, painful, lingering deaths. Thank you. I feel so much better now. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Um, I have a Morden, <clears throat> a Morden quote. Uh, Ambassador, we both know what promises and treaties mean. Yeah, I'll go for Garibaldi. I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll do my Garibaldi. I think. What kind of head of security would it be if I let people like me know things I shouldn't know? I know what I know because I have to know it, and if I don't have to know it, I don't tell me or let anyone else tell me. <laughs> Circular logic there. The whole Sheridan Kosh thing at the beginning was really great, but it's a little long. Um, what else do I have? Oh, the, see, there, there are a bunch of good ones. Okay, there's the man, the big guy. This is my part of down below. You want to do business here, you got to pay. Marcus, I don't like extortion. Uh, the man, I don't like insults. Marcus, funny, with a face like yours, I'd have thought you'd be used to it by now. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> and then, I like the, uh, one that Ivanova says, the day something happens around here and I don't know about it, worry. I've got yeah. a delayed quote, but I think it might be the one Elizabeth doesn't quite like. You've got Sheridan, ready, Delane. No, but you may proceed anyway. <laughs> I've got a very short Ivanova one that I nearly missed. It's when they're on the White Star and they're telling all the technical specifications and she just mumbles, I'll take two. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have a note about the bonehead maneuver, but I forgot to go back and get the exact quote. Mm. Like, no offense. And I'm taking... yeah. <laughs> all right. Any more quotes? Oh. I've got a short kosh one. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Another one, yes. <laughs> of course, you've got to have the Sheridan one in that mix. I really hate it when you do that. <laughs> so how about our characters of the week? Who is our human of the week this week? Oh, boy. You've got I, a good could, mix I couldn't quite week. figure this one out. I, I couldn't quite figure Sheridan. any of them out. He doesn't do too much, but what he does do is significant. I'm putting Morden forward this week. Uh huh. I put Marcus just because he's new and he had a couple of good, had some good lines and. I just love Sheridan's scene. plan for killing the shadow ship, so that's why I gave it to him. Yes, but I think <laughs> I would. I think I would go for Sheridan. Sheridan, are we okay yeah. with Sheridan? Yeah, he, he I'm does. Go for Gordon, but yeah, that's fine. Oh well, if the two of us are going so for Gordon. I'm sticking with Morden. I'm okay. If, uh, if Elizabeth Will's is sticking break with Morden, I'm sticking yeah, with Morden. I break the tie. Okay, I'm going to go with Morden. Sweet! <laughs> yes, yes, he deserves it. 
We've now decided he's a human, have we? Because I remember in season one. <laughs> no, I know. I'm sure. <laughs> he's under the influence of aliens. Yes, he was a human at one point, so I guess that makes him a human. Yeah. So who is our alien of the week? <sighs> I found this one quite hard. Yeah. Glenn was in a lot of the episode, but I wasn't that impressed by her. She just seemed scared she all the time. Frightened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the drama she, she got into. But he was only in like one scene. I guess we could maybe give it to Londo because he's, again, not really trying to do the right thing, but he's, okay, never mind. He's just being a coward. Lanier. <laughs> Lanier, yeah. Let's give really it to Lanier. Lanier. Give it to yeah. Lanier. Falling over yeah. and being looked after by the Len. Yeah, give it to Lanier. <laughs> oh, poor baby Lanier, you hurt. Okay, Morgan and Lanier are champions of the week. <laughs> So how about we rate this episode? Do you want to start us out, Michael? Uh, I really like this one. And as I said, I I like um, the White Star showing up. I really like Marcus in it. I like Sheridan in this one. And I really like the reveal of Morden working with Earth at the end. So I'm going to give it yeah. 8.5 bonehead maneuvers out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> I think you stole everyone's rating there. <laughs> yeah, I nope, thought I might. Mine. No, mine is still... Uh, how I... You ready, Heidi? Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed this one. I can't really, I can't really pick out anything that I didn't like, but I don't feel like it's a perfect episode. So I'm also going eight point five out of ten. Inceptions in the jump gate. <laughs> How about you, Elizabeth? Um. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I liked this one. I thought it was good. Um, yeah, it was good. There was really not really much to, to detract from it. The only thing I'm getting tired of is the whole must keep this a secret that we know thing. Um, I think it's too late for this. We need, it's just a way of stalling like the inevitable confrontation and they need to figure out a better way of doing that because I'm getting tired of it. But other than that, it was good because it showed a little, um, difference with Londo, a little little change in, in their relationship. And then, of course, the Earth thing. Oh, my God. It's exciting. And the White Star. So, yeah, 8.5 um, sacrificial draws. <laughs> what do you say, Ian? Okay, well, I just love how this episode sets the tone for the new series going forward. we got a lovely new theme. It's one of my favourites. I've I can, can't can say it is my favourite because I've got a few that are my favourite. Um, and I love the introduction of Marcus. It's really nicely done. And you get some great motivation from his character. The White Star, yeah, Michael, you said it, it's, it's a fantastic ship. And I'm so glad we've got it now. Um, the episode's really nicely done. So I'm going to go for eight out of ten dreams. <laughs> I, I like the episode a lot too. I think it is, you know, a better start to the season than season three start. Uh, got Marcus, uh, got the white star, had some interesting, uh, storyline going on. Yeah, I didn't really, you know, didn't really like Dylan much in this episode, but you know, everything else was cool. So I give it eight out of Eight and a half out of ten exploding jump gates. Yeah, solid so, start to the season. Yeah. Uh, total score eight point four. 
So, guys, do you want to take a ride in the White Star to feed <laughs> back land? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, can you hold on a minute? I'll, I'll just go, um, actually, you don't need to. You can start without me, I suppose. But, yeah, I'll be back in a minute. Okay. Let me check something for a second. I'm watching my dog dream right now. <laughs> oh. Our first piece of feedback is an email from Victor. I'll take that one. Victor says, This episode moves the story along nicely. We get to see Sheridan's spiffy Numenbari ship, the White Star. It comes with a crew, most of whom only speak Minbari, so that promises to be interesting. <laughs> On their very first mission, they encounter a shadow vessel and end up running for their lives, but thanks to the bonehead maneuver, at least they live to tell about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to see that rascal Morden again. Londo can't get rid of him fast enough, but he finds out that Morden's been dealing with Rifa. That's one meeting I'd love to have seen. Yeah, Morden and Rifa, yeah. Morden and Rifa together, imagine which one was slimier. Rifa. <laughs> <laughs> Sheridan starts to feel any vulnerable about the Rangers when she blurts out everything there is to know about the secret organization. After all, she knows everything that happens on Babylon 5. Contrast her with Garibaldi, the seasoned professional. He also knows everything that's going on, but he has been to the Sergeant Schultz School of Security, so he also knows nothing. Then again, Ivanova is young, so she's still a work in progress. Once again, they give us a final scene that raises the stakes and whets your appetite for more. That charming Mr. Morton is meeting with Earth government. This clearly puts Earth and Babylon 5 on opposite sides of the fence. I'll give this episode 9 I Know Nothings out of 10. <laughs> Regards, Victor. Thanks, Victor. Thanks, Victor. Victor. <laughs> we did the last episode of Briscoe last week, and we got to hear we got a voicemail from Victor, so I hope he'll send us one for our last episode. Mm. <laughs> did anybody um, else add John send something in before then. Yeah. What, Elizabeth? I was going to say, did anybody else in their mind add John Snow at the end of Yes, that's what I was thinking when I read that. You know, nothing, John Snow. I like the way Rose Leslie says. As do <laughs> I. Uh, next piece of feedback is a comment from Board99. He wants to take that. I can take that. So, Board starts by saying, I'm assuming that's a Reese, as in Terminator. Yes, I know my dog after the character in Terminator. I explained that on what we make the first episode. Mm. One last piece of praise for season two that I wanted to hold up until it wouldn't be a spoiler that the credits change for season three. I recall that the ambassadors weren't keen on the change of credits from season one to season two. Perhaps they will prefer season three's credits. As for me, I adore season two's credits, the cheesy five wipe and all. It's dynamic, matches the jaunty, exciting version of the theme tune. As for season three, the credits are... Sorry. As for season three, the credits and new somber arrangement of the theme are a little too... in. In, are a little too interested in assuring me that this is a, a very serious season and not silly at all. But on to matters of honour. It's interesting to note how little interested JMS is in providing an introduction to new viewers 
who might tune in to check out the show for its new season. This episode is all about establishing new elements, the White Star and Marcus, basically, for the benefit of people who were there for season two and also establishing a tone for the new season. One thing of note for me is Tucker Smallwood's performance in the thankless role of the special agent Endowry, who the, who the crew of Babylon 5 conceal things from, a role that's almost exactly parallel to that of the agent in Hunter Prey. Smallwood, yeah. And, yeah. Sorry, yeah, that's the guy who was listed in IMDb as being in this episode, so uh, I think that's a mistake. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Smallwood does a good job of making Andari seem intelligent, good at his job, as reasonable, despite the plot not actually giving him any th- way of displaying such qualities. Uh, thank you, Vord. Thank you. thank you. One thing about the uh, about like coming into it, not caring if people had seen it before, I feel like that end scene sort of filled us in, like filled people in. Besides just Ivanova yeah. and Franklin, so I feel like that was there for that purpose. Yeah, I suppose you don't have all the answers. You know, I suppose you don't have all the answers right now, but no one has all the answers. It's exactly. just some, yeah, some people have more answers than others at this point. So I think they've established a pattern now with the opening credits. So <laughs> I don't think it's a spoiler really to say, you know, they keep changing. Yeah. But JMS did say at one point that um, he kind of considered each season a chapter, so he wanted to have a new chapter heading for mm-hmm. each season to mm-hmm. kind of establish the tone of the season, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. And I like it when credit sequences change for those yeah. shows that even have credit sequences now. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you don't see like, that a lot. Like, I always liked watching the start of each new season of a show just to see like their their music didn't usually change but like they'd put new clips in and it would be fun to see like which clips were there for the new season mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. even with Supernatural who doesn't have a theme per se, their little right. burst changes uh-huh. which is nice to yeah. see oh, I like the what they do at the end of every season with Carrie on my wayward son awesome. I look <laughs> oh, forward yeah. to that here yeah, <laughs> yeah. And on, uh, I think both on Grimm and on, well, maybe not Grimm anymore, but the first season and on Once Upon a Time, like their little title card changes every episode based on what the episode is about. Yeah, on Castle, they change the little pen coming yes. in a couple of times. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's always fun it's, to look for that. It's nice. It really is nice when, you know, the producers of the show, you know, put in these things for the fans. Yes, it is. The fans get quite a lot of joy from just a simple change like that. They notice it, and it kind of like changes the the theme and the feel of that particular episode. Uh-huh. I remember when season two of Grimm they changed their opening, and then a few who had like this narrow this voiceover, but then it kind of sucked. I don't know if that's why they changed it, or if they planned to do it all along because I guess they figure people would. Yeah, you know, they didn't need the information every episode, but I'm glad they did shorten it to take out all the um Yeah. All the, uh, yeah, and now they have like an actual credit sequence where yeah. they just had kind of a title card to begin with that changed I'm, every episode. I'm really behind on Grimm, so it's good to hear that. <laughs> I'm I'm only at the start of season two. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I'm not positive when the credit sequence starts, but I know that it's there now. Anyway, I think everyone wants us to get back to feedback. Our next piece of email is from Lori and Carl. Oh, it's <laughs> okay from... Sorry, Carl. <laughs> I would just say his name like Rick Grimes from now on. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Carl? As a listener, I'd like to say I always enjoy their feedback. Yes. Yeah. Different tone to others. Really entertaining. All right. I, I'll take theirs. Um, hello, ambassadors, commanders, and visitor to the station. I missed sending feedback for season two, but I really enjoyed your recap episode. It was fun to hear that the ambassadors predicted slash wondered about a couple of things that happened already in this episode. You all wondered about a ranger training base, and that was where the episode opened. You also wondered about Earth and the connection between it and the Psychor and the Shadows. There is an interesting scene that addresses that at the end. But what do we really know? You also wanted to know more about the connecting between Mimbari and human. Marcus describes the ranger jewel called Islaza, which has references to both Mimbari and human blood. So now our thoughts for the season opener. Carl liked the intro better. I think I do as well with the Vonova narrating ambassadors. I enjoyed it. that one. <laughs> Carl is a bit disappointed that Kosh is not quite as mysterious now. <laughs> Though we loved the exchange with Sheridan. I believe the ambassadors were also hoping to learn more about what the rangers do, and we start with Marcus. In the first scene where he sets course for Babylon 5, Carl said it at the same time. Yeah, I think we all did, Carl. Uh, <laughs> Carl's <laughs> where else was he going to go, really? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Carl's thoughts on Marcus. Likes, but does not trust him. Mm. What about the ambassadors? I just like his accent. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I do too. I like him. But, you know, I've also labeled him as Aragorn, which means that he's (laughs) wrong. (laughs) Um, Carl noted the new med lab set. I thought it was nice that they acknowledged it was different. And we finally see Mr. Morden again. Carl's prediction was that Londo is going to try and take control of the relationship, but will fail and Morden will stay in control. What do you all think of the terms of separation? (laughs) (laughs) The split of space plus one other planet. Carl predicts it will come to no good. And what about Lord Rifa going forward? Yeah, I think we addressed all of that. The visitor from EarthGov trying to find out about the shadows was an interesting plot device. It allowed us to see Londo's dream again. Interesting to remember that he had only seen the ships in dreams. I wrote down a note of the practice of joy, but now cannot recall the significance. Anyone else recall? Yeah, that yeah. was saying that the practice the of joy is one of their duties. Uh, yeah. Right. That, because everything else is a job. duty. Yeah. Uh-huh. But <laughs> yeah. It, it, it feels like for some Embar it might have more, sorry, some Centauri it might have more significance than others. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jakar's expression of finally was great. Such a deep emotion. Looking forward to what you all think of the exciting ship in this first episode, the White Star. Carl thought the name ironic and or intentional, given that Sheridan destroyed the Black Star. It was also nice that they addressed artificial gravity. Carl wanted to know if the White Star could take on a shadow ship. We mostly found out that it cannot, but Sheridan outsmarts it. Nice call back to the Marcab race in taking out the sh- systems jump gate. So, was the shadow ship destroyed? 
Yes, it was. JMS said it. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I kind of questioned it a little bit too, but I uh, thought that it was. Last questions for the ambassadors. Were you surprised to see Morden on Earth talking with EarthGov and Psychor? I feel like I was on first. I feel like I was on first watch, but Carl was not at all. He thinks that Morden is playing them just like he's playing Londo, and they think they have more power than they do. I agree, Carl. Um, and what do they mean by use this to speed up the program? A great using, quote. Um, yeah. Using the threat, a threat to impose draconian, you know, fascist law at home. Mm. It's a tool of, of oppressive governments everywhere. Nice, nice theory there. A great quote, only if it was missed. Um, did we do this one, Garibaldi's? I, I did this one, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, we're not going to read it again, because it's long. Um, Carl, rating 1.414 squared. Mimbari, who <laughs> conveniently can't speak English because it is cheaper to hire actors without speaking roles. Handy, <laughs> <laughs> that isn't it. Best rating system ever. Um, human, random person walking back and forth in bar. Alien, Kosh. Okay. Lori, rating 7 out of 10, ranger pin cooled in three bowls. Ancient holy water, Mimbari blood, and human blood. All right. And human, Marcus, alien, Londo. Well, thank thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, guys. Thanks, guys. All right. All right. I'll take the next email from Derek. Dear Ambassadors, I hope everyone enjoyed Matters of Honor. You all did a great review of Season 2 and reminded me why I liked Babylon 5 in the first place. Oh, thanks. A few things I noticed. I'm always worried when Dr. Franklin gets a new patient. He was looking at Marcus with those <laughs> eyes while he was on He's going to grope them. <laughs> and also, <laughs> how many patients he's tried to get involved with over the past few seasons. <laughs> The Air Force officer looked awfully familiar, and I saw on IMDb he played God on the Sarah Silverman show. Oh, yeah, he was black guy. <laughs> Maybe he had Kosh and play who's the better-looking deity figure. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was the bald guy with the ponytail carrying when he attacked Marcus in the lead? It looked like a pickaxe, so what was he doing in down below going mining for gold? <laughs> I thought it was a bit of plumbing pipe. <laughs> Not sure where he got it from. Sheridan got a new play toy, or I mean ship, on the first episode of the third season. If memory serves me correct, didn't Deep Space Nine get the defiance on the first episode of season three? Weird. Yeah. Could Marcus get any more depressing? Sorry, let's see Chandler. <laughs> his brother died. He doesn't believe in miracles because his heart is broken. Someone should slip some antidepressants into his drink. Human of the week, Dr. Ward, Dr. Morton, yeah. Ben is around. I forgot we called him Dr. Morton. <laughs> Alien of the week, Delen, for her convoluted explanation of why she lied about never seeing a shadow vessel. Kind of reminds me of Obi-Wan Kenobi saying, well, Luke, Darth Vader killed your father from a certain point of view. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> I think this episode was a great start to the third season with new characters and lots of good space battle scenes. Rating 8.5 bonehead maneuvers out of 10. Thanks again for a great podcast, Derek. Well, thanks, Derek. Thanks, thanks Derek. Derek. Good email. 
Good for you. Eric, I command you to sign up for a guest host spot. Yeah, Derek. Yeah, yeah do oh, it. It's good fun. You don't have to if you don't want to. But so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't make you do it. <laughs> uh, our final piece of feedback is from Yan. I'll take this one. Hello, down belowers. Here's some feedback for Babylon 5, Season 3, Episode 1, Matters of Honor. Oh, wait, Kosh giving more or less a straight answer, or maybe not so straight? We get more ranger camps. Are you surprised? I don't really think so. Rangers in trouble, Centauri blockade of Zagro 7, and we meet a new ranger, Marcus. Oh, and by the way, I have one of those ranger pins from the official fan club. It's a really neat piece of work, oh, and Marcus has a Minbari fighting pike. I want one of those. I of yeah, I was wanting one of those. Yeah, yeah, really want one of those pins. Yes, and a picture. I also want a pin, uh, a cycle pin as well. Both of the pins are really kind of cool. Is there still a fan club? I want to join if there is. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Ndawi arrives at the station to find out what people there know about the shadow ship. The Lynn has to be easy with the full truth. Londo wants to get out of Morden's or the Shadow's claws. Do you think he will succeed, dear ambassadors? <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. Morden goes to Rifa. That does not bode well. He'll probably be even easier to influence than Londo. He has even more ambition. Yeah, and less moral standards. Did you notice that Londo and Ndawi were in a battle of outrageous accents? <laughs> oh, and Londo's dream was quite a sight. I think I saw that the actor that plays in Dali is Nigerian. Yeah, I was like, that sounded like his real voice. <laughs> I just loved the little exchange between Garibaldi and Ndali about telling himself secrets. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we get a new ship, the White Star. What did you think of it when you saw it for the first time, dear ambassadors? It was pretty. Yeah. Also, I have to interject something here uh, about uh, Garibaldi. What do you think... Um, since he's being told everything, do you think he'll tell himself or not? <laughs> well, somebody else is telling him, so... Oh, no. It was very hard to follow. <laughs> he's telling who what? You see, just stay away from the psych psych core ladies. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Now we know what happens if someone tries to... Whoa, whoa, to- wait a minute. I just had a weird thought. It's probably not true, but Yamanova's a latent telepath. Maybe she gets some of her information through that means. Continue. Oh! That's a brilliant theory. Yay! Mm. That would make sense. <laughs> oh, yeah. Never thought of it like that. Mm. Even, yeah, even if she's she not trying. It. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it just happens and she just is like, oh, that's a good piece of information that I can use. <laughs> Now we know what happens if someone tries to open a jump point inside a jump gate. As Ivana would say, boom, and a big one. <laughs> and the jump gate they destroy is the Markab one. Nice throwback to Confessions and Lamentations. Yeah. I love the scene where Ivanova shows that she knows what is going on with the Rangers. Now for my favorites. Human, they all do well, but I would go for Sheridan for their sheer ingenuity in destroying the shadow ship. Alien... We see them all, but I will go for Delin here. Quotes. Uh, there's this Sheridan Ivanova one about being cheered up. And there's Londo and Mr. Morden. Londo, we have danced our last little dance, Mr. Morden. Now it is time for you to go away, Morden. Okay. And there's this Sheridan Ivanova one about how Ivanova knows everything. 
And then there's the Garibaldi and Dowie exchange episode. Yeah, but rating. he at least gives a um, bit we didn't do because you know, he quotes Garibaldi saying, I never tried to get involved with... Sorry, I never... I, I try never to get in my own life too much trouble. I forgot about that bit of it. It's a nice little addition, I think. And episode rating... This is a solid beginning of the season. We get space battles advancing the plot, both shadow and earth politics. So I give the episode eight and a half jump gates going boom. <laughs> That's all for me. That's all for me. Be careful for you may have reached the point of no return. Yan the Babylon lurker. Oh, uh, thanks, Yan. Yan. We have thanks, Yan's Yan. sign off now for the season. <laughs> I always, I always look forward to seeing what that's going to look like. Hmm. 8.5 is a super popular rating for this episode. It yeah, that's really what I was about to say. It seems like everybody kind of felt the same lo- way. I'm a bit low on it, I know, but <laughs> Victor we can't had all nine. have the same rating. Victor had a 9, so it evens out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lori had a 7. And Carl had something. We can't really figure out what Carl's means. Thanks, everybody. If you want to send us feedback, send it over to mail at downbelowpodcast.com or head to the website or the Facebook groups. We got some weird email this week. I almost put it in just for the fun. It was about buying some kind of um, Transformers or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Electronic Transformers or yeah, the electron, not the not the robots in disguise. So let's move on to predictions. The name of episode two is Convictions. No, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the title doesn't help, does it? I think okay. season two of episode two of season two is Revelations, and now we got Convictions. Uh-oh. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like this could be about anybody. Yeah. Because they've all, they're all very strong in their convictions. And, um, I also think that, at least I expect it to be, that this season will be a little more, um, serialized, I guess, and less, like, one-off episodes. So, I... And I have nothing to base that on, just kind of where the story is going. But I think that we'll just kind of move forward and, you know, get more information each week, at least um, at least see, you know, what's going on with the shadows and and that kind of thing. So I, I feel like it has to do with that. Um, yeah. What do you think, Elizabeth? <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> like... I'm like, I'm sure it's like conviction, meaning like, like your beliefs and your, you know, your conviction, but just for funsies, I'm going to take it in the other way, (laughs) which is like to convict somebody. So I'm going to say that people are convicted of thought crime. Good. Good. Um, Just because that sounds awesome. Um, Yeah, I I like that idea. But hopefully we get more information about the Rangers. That's kind of what... You know, maybe if it's like convictions like that way, maybe we get more about like the Rangers and their why they join and stuff. Um, I want to see more Marcus. Yeah, Marcus. Yeah, and more more of his ilk. Because um, I mean, where where did the Rangers go anyways when they left 
So I guess they went back to Midbar, or... Yeah, there has to be another sort of training facility. I feel like if there was that one, there has to be more still, yeah. so... Yeah. Um, <coughs> sorry. So Why yeah, do the spiders all... really care if they're training? I mean, they could just go and kill a ball in one swoop anyway. Yeah, they only sent one spider, you know? Clearly, they didn't expect it to be any kind of problem. No, and we don't even know, like, what the training entails still. It's just kind of like, they're training. Okay, what exactly are they training for? Yeah, what are they doing? Courses and stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, like, it, like, is it all humans? Or, like, is it Mimbari as well? Are there Drawsies there? Who knows? Uh-huh. Um, oh, so... we should give Alien of the Week to that poor Drawsy that died. Yeah, Rosie, anyway. <laughs> you're the best of us. All that. Um, so yeah, I liked your idea about Jakar joining up with them. I like. I think that's that's got to be where this is going, right? Yeah, I hope so because otherwise he doesn't have a whole lot to do. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. I really want to see a scene with Doctor Warden and uh, Lanier. Ooh. Or just like Veer beating him down and then waving. Yeah, no Veer this episode. No. Hopefully we'll have Veer. Yeah, he's my yeah, favorite character. Oh, nice. Yeah, there is one of the commentaries. I won't say who, but JMS was talking about some of the pairings of characters that you don't really see together very much. And I was like, I'd love to see all of those together. <laughs> I wish we could have seen a lot of those together more. Mm-hmm. They were. Yeah. But it's a bit cast, so it's hard to get everybody. Well, and it's kind of hard to... Um, to find reasons to put some of them together. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because there's so many characters too, and you have to use your main characters that keep the plot moving. And yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Why do you, do you have any theories about what earth is up to with the shadows? No good. <laughs> that, um, I feel like they've got to be just trying to get more power. Just, just like the Centauri probably like they, they just want more control, and I don't know if they necessarily want more space, but I feel like they want to have greater control over what they have because they like sort of lost control of Mars, and mm-hmm. and so I feel like they they want control, and that probably like yeah like their whole like about to be defeated by the Midbari only made them feel pretty powerless. Uh-huh. Yeah. I wonder if there's any kind of revenge aspect there. Well, know, and I feel being... like with the with the Psychor too, they're like, you know, they're trying to seize control and they're trying to control thoughts and mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. So yeah. I feel like more power but in a different sort of way than the Centauri. Not expansionist per se, but like security. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never really thought about it, but yeah, I'm a, I wonder if there is a little bit of a revenge to the Mabari kind of thing. Could be. No, I don't know. We see a lot of that, but um, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have a whole lot else. We speculated a ton last week, so. Yeah. Awesome. All right. <clears throat> well, Michael, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, thanks. Oh, Thank definitely. you very much for having me. That's good to have you. Maybe we'll see you later on in the season. Maybe. There's one episode <laughs> that still hasn't been taken that I might put myself forward to do, but it's on my birthday, so I'm not sure uh, when I'll get to do it. That would uh, be my first choice, but <laughs> most likely it'll get it'll it won't be on your birthday. It'll probably <laughs> be like a, a week that will be. I'll wait to see if it moves. 
<laughs> All right. Is there anywhere else we can find you on the internet? Not really. I listen to loads of podcasts and things, but I don't really participate in many of them. Send oh, okay. feedback in for various ones. Awesome. Well, oh, thanks okay. for coming on ours. A pleasure. All right, everybody, that is all we have for you this week. We'll be back next time with convictions. And until then, goodbye. Be seeing you. Bye. I struck off. Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast.